Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. And those of you listening online, good morning to you too. We are in the gospel according to Mark. And if you have your Bibles, we will stand in a moment and take verses 1 through 15 in the gospel of Mark. Would you stand please? Beginning in verse 15, uh, verse 1. Immediately in the morning, the chief priests led a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews. So they cried out again, crucify him. And then Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Please be seated. Especially our teens, I hope, um, I hope this does not lose uh, your attention. I hope these words mean something to you. This is one chance in the week that you get away from everything in the world, the distractions, the chores, the games, all of those things, and you have an opportunity to listen to what, may be God, what God may be saying to you from his word in his house. The Howls of Injustice, that's the title of this morning's consideration. Like wolves, one wolf howling over to another one. That's what these officers of the law were doing with each other, the fate of Jesus. John writes this in his 18th chapter about this moment. He said, then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go in the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. And so what John is talking about is as the Jews are going back and forth trying to uh, get uh, the Gentiles to finally make a sentence of death on Christ, uh, they did not want to defile themselves by entering the office of, of Pilate. They could hound holy innocence to its death upon the cross as a felon. They could wag their heads in scorn when he hung there dying between the thieves. But they could not venture within a Roman court of law, lest their holy feet should suffer defilement. 
and make them unfit to share the sacred feast of the Jewish church known as the Passover. This is, this is disgusting hypocrisy that uh, they had no problem with. Self-righteous religion. And uh, these are uh, religious people. This type of self-righteous religious people are very useful to Satan. They were then and they are to this day. And so we do want to pay attention to the lessons from the scripture, scripture to not be like them and also perhaps to be used by God to rescue those who may be. We look at verse 1. Immediately in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. So it's dawn now, or 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. The sun is just getting ready to come up. The chief priest, they are the ones that held the consultation with the elders and scribes, the whole council. Uh, the chief priests were the temple you know, overseers, the hierarchy of priests that were there. Mostly Sadducees, that would be the equivalent today of liberal theologians, uh, liberal scholars when it comes to the Bible are those who don't believe the Bible is the word of God. Well, they'll say parts of it is word of, uh, the word of God, and men will decide what parts are from God and what parts are not. It's arbitrary, and it, uh, with them, uh, we reject that categorically. But uh, this is a mockery. Uh, their farce scruples of going through these proceedings that were so precious to them, this hypocritical protocol of religious men who are looking to murder someone who is absolutely innocent. Uh, this, um, they're like gangsters who murder and destroy and ruin lives and then go donate money to a church or to uh, give back to the community to, to ease their conscience at this uh, mockery of what decency is. Uh, we're all sinners. We all goof. But there, there, are, there are limits. I mean, when it becomes blatant like this, um, mercy is something that is not going to be readily available to people with this mindset. There's no evidence of sorrow or repentance in the hearts of any of them. There's blood in their eyes. They want death. And they bound Jesus and led him away. They cuffed him. After all, he had this reputation of healing people. So let's put him in cuffs. He might heal somebody. Uh, just uh, They delivered him to Pilate. Of course they did. Uh, this is the first of two meetings with Pilate. He typically resides to the northwest up in Caesarea by the Mediterranean Sea. But he's in Jerusalem for the feast because it is the Passover time. And uh, the Jewish leaders, they could have just stoned Christ. Even though it was outlawed, they would have gotten away with it. I mean, after all, they're going to stone, they stone Stephen, and uh, Rome looked the other way. But there's more to it than that. <clears throat> they, um, they wanted to deliver Jesus to the Romans so the Jews could shift the blame of the crucifixion on them. That was one of the things. Now, when I say the Jews, I don't mean all Jews, of course, but these, these particular Jews, the religious leaders who had a big problem with our Christ, um, of course, many Jews did not have a problem with him. But uh, they wanted Rome especially to execute him through crucifixion because stoning was too merciful compared to crucifying someone. It 
gave them added satisfaction. And additionally, it put the curse of the law on him. Uh, Paul quoting this passage from the Old Testament and here in the New Testament. It is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And that's part of what they wanted to go with it. So these, these men were particularly evil in their religion. Um, and we see some of this in parts of the world today. And just the violence uh, in places like Pakistan in, in, in the name of religion. It's, uh, or India even. Just uh, the horrors of throwing acid on people and burning people alive and just, uh, just uh, the devil is hard at work, which should make us say to ourselves, well, what am I doing? What is my part? What is my role as a Christian? Every Christian should be asking that of God. What am I supposed to be doing with this Christianity that I have? Am I supposed to just be enjoying, the, the, enjoying these outrageously magnific magnificent sermons at Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville? What am I supposed to do with myself as a Christian? I think uh, even those who, from time to time, those who know what they're supposed to be doing have to go back and, and get calibrated with God. Lord, am I still where I need to be? Well, verse 2, And Pilate asked him, Are you king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, You said it. Uh, that's exactly how it transfers from the Greek. It is as you say. Now, Pilate did not bring up the charge that the Jewish high priests indicted Christ with, which was blasphemy, because he would not have recognized it. That's a religious matter. You know, we're not going to kill anybody over that here unless you know, he starts biting into the Roman gods. That could become a problem. But he doesn't bring that up because the indictment that the Jews had to get against Christ had to be something that Rome would be uh, particularly adverse to. And so they manipulated the charge. They charged him with treason against Caesar. So if they could say to Pilate, listen, you have a Jewish man under Caesar's authority going around with a following saying that he's a king. Well, if Rome did not sanction him as a king, then he must be a treasonous. And this is what was happening. Um, uh, Pilate, of course, didn't take it serious at all because his spies had informed, his informants were out there, and they said, yeah, Christ is these large crowds, but he's, he preaches peace and love your neighbor, and he's healing people. And so he was no threat to them. Uh, so here the Jews are bringing a Jew before a Roman court that they hated, they hated the Roman court, and they probably never did this ever, be did this ever before, and they probably never would again bring a Jew to a Roman court on the charge of treason. They celebrated those kind of men as, as, you know, liberation fighters, which Barabbas was likely one of them. That's why it's mentioned his rebellion. And so there the hypocrisy again surfaces. And Pilate, he's going to see this. Um, Pilate is making an effort in these early stages to administer Roman law because the Romans were big on law. Uh, but, of course, he's going to fail. Uh, he is not equipped to face the Satan that is uh, uh, prevailing in the hearts of, the, of men on this, this morning. He continues here in verse 2. He answered and said to him, it is as you, you say. You got that right, Pilate. I am the king of the Jews. And the scripture, the Old Testament scripture, 
had declared Messiah would be king. Micah 5.2 and uh, Zechariah 9.9 are are two verses that uh, make that announcement. And so the Lord is not going to say, no, that's false. He's admitting without hesitation. Uh, Yes, I am. He's not saying I'm guilty. He's saying I am king. There's no guilt belonging to that because he is worthy. Well, we're laying, of course, the foundation for this. So you, you teenagers, or you younger ones, you're laying, these are important little facts that have to be in place. If these things are out of place, then the story becomes, you know, it's not what it is intended to be. You leave loopholes in it for critics to attack it. So we have to set the story up by reviewing what is actually going on. So don't try to keep up if you can. Uh, some of you may find it easier than others. Um, that little message to our teens that I just get, gave does not come off my time. So I, I... Just kidding. Verse 3. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. So there he is, handcuffed, standing before them, and they, they're hurling all these charges against him. Any other felon would be saying, that's a lie. Oh, yeah, you, what did you know? They would be, uh, you know, defending themselves. The Lord simply ignores them which irritated them even further. To, to ignore somebody who's self-important is uh, very noticeable and significant. Uh, in fact, speaking of significance, so significant is their fabrication that no one bothered to record the other things they were saying. We have no record of, well, what, what were they saying? Who cares? God said that. Eh, I'm putting that in the Bible. Anyway, by verse 19, again, Pilate will see through this, but it, it, it won't help. And this is why it's one of the a difficult story to read. If you love the Lord, you're seeing this injustice. On one hand, you know he's got to die for our sins. As Peter tried to stop at Caesarea Philippi with, uh, you know, be it far from you. And the Lord rebuked him for that. Get behind me, Satan, because you're mindful of the things of men, not the things of God. Well, we're mindful of the things of God. And the plan of salvation is being worked out here. And we're watching it. But it is painful. Well, sin causes pain. Everything it touches, it, it hurts. In verse 4, Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? So, uh, again, Pilate trying to have a proper proceeding, following the protocols. But he is surprised, again, that a prisoner is not interested in what his accusers have to say of him. The Lord is saying, why should I answer? He knew that evil, again, would prevail uh, this morning in their hearts. Isaiah the prophet, oh, almost 900 years before these events took place, speaking about the Messiah in Isaiah 53, said he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Pilate could look at Christ standing there and tell that he had been abused physically, that they had knocked him around some. And, and so this is, you know, part of his processes. But we're looking at this and saying, yeah, because he is afflicted. He is oppressed and he is afflicted, willfully so. He doesn't have to go through this for us, but he does. I'll repeat this in a moment. Sinners should understand, those who have not repented, Christ suffered out of love. He could have just made more people. You know, he could have just bypassed the sinners and and let them go to hell, let them suffer. 
and not suffer in their place. Just make more people. But he does not. God's plan of redemption is going forward precisely as announced on schedule, whether men know it or not or like it or not. Verse 5, but Jesus still answered nothing. So Pilate marveled. Yet they were all marveling at the lesser things. They were missing the greater things. They marveled at lesser things because they did not receive the greater things. Christ, John tells us, entered into dialogue with, with Pilate concerning truth and saying, I am the king, but my servants aren't going to fight for me because this, this is not my kingdom here. And, and he, telling Pilate that he, he has come to announce the truth about God, about men, and about God's plan to reconcile men to himself. And then Pilate, with a smirk, says, what is truth? And doesn't wait for the answer. And people are still doing this to this day. Luke writes this about the people who did marvel at the right things about Christ. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Well, because all the rabbis, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sad, all the others simply repeated each other. They, they just, you know, they, they didn't come up with anything from the heart. Uh, John the Baptist certainly did. The prophets did. But Christ did with an authority that was unmatched. And we, we look at the New Testament and we never hear Jesus say, for example, thus says the Lord. He says, I say, which is a profound it's a profound revelation coming out of the scripture about who the, the identity of Jesus Christ. Because if you get the identity of Christ wrong, what camp does that put you in? All the false religions have the identity of Jesus Christ wrong. That's what makes them cults and false and heretics, etc. False teachers. So the Lord continues to ignore the religious frauds. At this point... Pilate is going to send him to Herod because he learns, okay, Jesus is from the region of Galilee. That's Herod's territory. So he shuffles him off to Herod, and they become friends, Herod and Pilate. They weren't friends before. And um, Christ will ignore all of them all when he gets to Herod's court. Herod, he is the one that killed John the baptizer. And his father, that rat of a human being, slaughtered the little boys of Bethlehem, because he was afraid somebody else may claim to be king. And uh, so, you know, th these are the type of people that Christ is, is facing. He's given all of them a chance to step up, to find their higher self, and to submit to the truths about him. But none of them did. Uh, yeah, how, I mean, how do you be a governor a ruler, and you're hearing about multitudes telling you about this person healing people and what he's teaching and his miracles and not look into it and submit to it. How, how do you just dismiss it? Well, the, a, a, a wicked heart that doesn't want, that wants humanity to prevail and um, not the Lord. Well, anyway, after Jesus has finished ignoring Herod and his group, they shuffle him back to Pilate. Verse 6 now. Now this is Christ going before Pilate a third time. So he has six hearings. One with the 
high priest, Annas, then the high priest, then the Sanhedrin council, one with Pilate, one with Herod, and a second with Pilate. So three with the Gentiles, three with the Jews, uh, and beatings in, in both of them. He hasn't gotten the one from the Gentiles. That's coming, the bigger one, that is. Verse 6, now at the feast he was accustomed, that is Pilate, to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested, <laughs> the feast, the celebration of God passing over his people because they obeyed him and put the blood on the, on the, on the passageway to their homes as the angel of death went through Egypt taking the firstborn, uh, but not of those who had the blood on the door, uh, the, the, the threshold. So they were supposed to be, on that night, freed from being slaves, and they were. They were supposed to be taken to a promised land we know as Canaan, and there live free to worship the Lord and be a light to the Gentiles. And they, they did not do well. God is not impressed with religi religiosity or rituals. You're going to have to do a lot more than burn candles and, 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 and throw money into a plate uh, than if you, to get God's attention. Even the Proverbs, where you wouldn't expect such, uh, or maybe you would, such a short, profound statement about hypocrisy uh, and in religion. <clears throat> Proverbs 21.3, because the prophets were all over this. And here, Proverbs... To do, righteous, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to Yahweh than sacrifice. Stop playing religion. Stop acting like, you know, you can do without something and somehow get God's favor when you're passing by the essential things that you need to not do to abstain from sin. And, and so here these men, they want to have, uh, well, these people, not just the men, uh, this element of the Jerusalem society that is so against Christ. They want their religion. They want their Passover. They just don't want to be righteous at the same time. This is an appeasing tradition of the Romans. At this feast, we'll let one criminal go free. I don't find appeasement to work. Um, it's a bad idea, and we're going to see it here because they're going to let Barabbas run free and crucify the innocent. Verse 7, and there, was no one, uh, and there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in rebellion. The part, the rebellion part, see, he's a political prisoner too, but <clears throat> not unjustly so. He's rebelled against Roman authority. Uh, John says Barabbas was a robber. Well, a robber, the difference between a thief and a robber is a thief typically will take from you when you're not looking. A robber will take it right out of your hand when you're looking or not. It will overpower you uh, by force. And that's just if you, to, to split the hairs there. But uh, again, the guilty one uh, is going to be set free, treated as though he is innocent because Jesus will die in his place. And we'll cover that because that's the big part of this section, this latter section of the Gospel of Mark, is the crucifixion of Christ for sinners and the resurrection. And then the book of Acts is, and this is what the believers did with it. Verse uh, 7 still, they had committed murder in rebellion. Uh, this, again, put them in the minds of some of the Jews as 
patriots, even if they didn't agree with them. Uh, so some viewed Barabbas as a liberation fighter. The uh, fact is, we've all sinned. No revelation there. I, I don't know. Have you ever met anybody who honestly says, I've not sinned? I actually met someone who claimed to be a Christian with the twisting of the, from the First uh, John letter, you know, that I, insisting that he didn't have sin. And I simply said, you, you're sinning now by lying. What are you talking about? You don't have sin. Anyway, uh, the, we've all sinned. And we rebelled against the throne of God. Barabbas rebelled against Rome. Sinners rebel against the throne of God. Sin means I broke something that is very precious to a holy God. That's just a short meaning of sin. Purity has been stained and therefore made impure before the presence of a pure God. Why should, again, God let me go unpunished when he can just make more people? He can make better people, perhaps. Well, I say the perhaps because there's that free will thing. Free will means that, with a, that you have to make that choice. And God knew what was going to happen. He has every right to have a people that choose to follow him, even in the midst of a cursed world. People may object to God's processes, uh, to which the Almighty God can say right to them, and he does through his word. Bottom line, I don't care what you think if you are against what I am offering, because you will be judged. It's the hard side of the gospel. Galatians 3, verse 22, But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So when we go out with the gospel, we find ourselves oftentimes uh, trying to defuse a bomb in someone who wants to just explode on us. And just attack us for being Christians. Because they put mankind ahead of the maker of mankind. And they want their, you know, is there anything more absurd than a woman has the right to murder an unborn child? Well, that's because someone has told them it's not a child. It's something else. Uh, the insanity of it. If, if they just showed the logic of otherwise in, in frightfully intelligent people. I mean, human beings can do so many incredible things with technology now. It is astounding what humans are doing. Uh, just, the, just whether you like it or not, the, uh, the wind farms offshore are incredible. You've got these 200, over 200-foot 200 towers that are in the ocean, hundreds of them like a farm. And you just the engineering that's going on. But each one of those people who die rejecting the salvation of Jesus Christ, will not go to heaven, regardless of their accomplishments as human beings. Because what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world and goes to hell? Same in other fields. I mean, just athlete, you know, athletics. You can see people just do amazing things. I mean, I could do better, but I don't want to show off. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, this... Um, they may object to God's plan. So the, still, otherwise, rational people. So if, if you say, if you go to the beach and you kill one of those little turtles that's trying to make it to the ocean, 
They'll try to, they'll try to put you to the guillotine. Because they recognize that in that turtle is life. If you do it to the egg, they'll get you. Because in that egg is a potential for life. You just, you, you can't do this to animals. You can only do it to a human being. It's madness. It's darkness. And there's so many other crazy things that we see that they're doing. You know, my pronouns are me, he, she, sinner, saved. And you say, well, now, now you're not getting into pronouns. Well, if they can make up rules, I can too. problem is with people who believe stupid things is they can repeat them. Ergo journalism. And, uh, and it's successful for one lifetime with many. And then the judgment. So we have to uh, uh, diffuse these time bombs that we're faced with, with people who bought into this junk. I have found when I used to have to deal with people that weren't saved, because now mostly I deal with people who claim to be saved and are saved, uh, I found this, you know, sidestep all of those arguments and get right at the heart of the matter. You got a dirty heart, and you know it. You know you're a sinner. You know you do stuff to people that you'd never want done to you. That proves that you're a sinner. What are you going to do about it? This nonsense about there is no God or making up things about God. Romans chapter 1, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. He's talking about the people in ancient Corinth walking around with as much debauchery as they can get their hands on. And Paul is not giving them an excuse saying, well, you know, they don't know better. He takes it right to them. He says, nonsense. People understand what sin is. They just don't want to face it. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened in spite of whatever medical, engineering, artistic, athletic accomplishments they may have laid their hands on, their foolish hearts were darkened. And when they die, none of those earthly achievements are going to get them into heaven. And that's where we come in. It's a very simple, simple message and program. John 3.19, this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So they, they kick up the dust, they hem and haw, well, the Bible's really not true. It's written by men. Well, who's it supposed to be written by? God wrote the Ten Commandments with his own fingers, and man messed that up. Jesus said, we play a dirge for you, you do not mourn. We play a melody for you, and you do not dance. The saying is, we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. Can't win with you because of dishonesty. And that's the kind of people that he is standing before, allowing himself to be judged by. A little bit more on this. Romans chapter 2. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, for them, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish, on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I mean, it just gets right to it. It's all about, we, Christians are supposed to be fighting sin, not only in our lives, but in those around us, to get people into heaven. 
by the truth. That's why Jesus said to Pilate, I am the king. And my kingdom is not this world, although I own it. And then he goes on to say, but it is to preach the truth. I have come to announce the truth. And we're supposed to be doing the same thing and not be sidetracked by so many insignificant other things without becoming fanatics, losing our balance and uh, becoming so spiritual that we're not even natural as God allows. Verse 8. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. Pilate is being asked by the Jews. After Pilate brought it up, John tells us in chapter 18. Pilate says, you have a custom. <coughs> and they got away from that. And now the Jews have, well, he brought it up. Now they're going to stay on that. These are likely the Jerusalem Jews mainly and some of the pilgrims from around the world, like uh, Egypt, for example, uh, that are going to side against the Christ because the Galilean Christians were the ones that were laying down their garments and taking palm branches and as he rode in on the donkey uh, crying out, Hosanna. Uh, the scholars debate that. I could save them that debate. They just need to ask me. Uh, not that I know everything, but I know that. I'm kidding. I'm not that arrogant, at least not in public. <laughs> We're all in control when no one's looking. Anyway, um, <clears throat> he was the religious elite are aggravating this group of people. Many of them have not seen the miracles of Christ. They're just following the leaders. John chapter 8, verse 33. Jesus said this about... These religious leaders in Jerusalem uh, and their influence, those influenced by them, you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. This is right, right, point blank, right to them. You're trying to kill me. And why? What have I done to you? Have you missed a meal because of anything I've done? Verse 9. But Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? So he knows he does, they don't like this. And Pilate, there's no love loss between these, uh, the, the Jewish representatives and Pilate. That, and, and so he'll stick it to him any chance he gets. This is the official charge that they charge Christ with, treason, claiming he was king of the Jews. So he's going to hold them accountable to that. In fact, at the crucifixion on the cross, he puts the indictment over the head of Christ on the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. In three languages, nobody could miss it. And they said, oh, take that down. Put, he, put, he, put, he said he was king of the Jews. He said, I wrote what I wrote. Now, that's that friction between the two. Verse 10, for he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. Envy is a vicious thing. Um, Pilate, he saw the root cause he saw the hatred in their faces. He could hear it in their voices. Every time they spoke, the hatred was so in, in overabundance of hatred, saliva would probably pop out of their mouths on everybody. That's why we recommend you don't sit in the front row here. <laughs> kidding. I'm going to stop saying kidding and, and just go ahead and let somebody come up. You said, <laughs> I was kidding. Anyway, John chapter 11 
this is the this is the Pharisees saying the the, the elite. They're elite because they say they are, not because they are, are, are have earned any such status. Anyway, John eleven verse forty eight. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. <clears throat> There's the envy. If we let him keep healing people, if we let him keep doing these wonderful things. We're going to lose this sweet gig we've got. And Jesus could perform miracles. They could not. Jesus could hold an audience listening to every word he said. They could not. Jesus spoke with authority. They repeated each other. How could he know such things without us? Who gave him permission to heal people? We are the ones that give this permission. You have to come down, file the application, pay the fee, get a permit. We have regulated righteousness. It must come through us. Well, they never say it that way, but that's what they were doing. John chapter 7, verse 15. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters having never studied? Who said he never studied? We didn't study under your formal instruction, that doesn't mean he didn't study. There's other ways to learn, but they felt they were the keepers of knowledge when it came to God. And so they viewed him as their enemy because he did great things without their permission. When Paul stood in front of Festus uh, and uh, Agrippa, he said, these things that Christ did were not done in the corner somewhere. The things that he did were everybody knew. And he was telling Agrippa, who was one of the leaders in Jerusalem, he says, you know this, you're the leader, these things don't sneak past you. You know what Christ was doing. And so did they. But not all the Pharisees were so hateful. John chapter 19, pause here with me. Again, the teens, you've been on my heart this morning. Uh, you're always on my heart, actually, but more so this morning. This, um, these cross-references of Scripture... They mean everything to us. This is God's word. And we back up our points by pointing to the scripture. What this Bible says. Now, I can't come out and read all the Bible to you. Well, maybe that's not a bad idea. And you can't do that. So we have to take sections of it. And that allows you to go look it up if you'd like. So listen to the cross-references, even if you don't listen to me. Uh, I know my, my, my jokes were wonderful and beautiful and all of that. But... Listen to the Bible verses. John chapter 9, verse 16. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. How could he be from God and he's healing people in God's house on the Sabbath? This is insane. Others said, see, that's, that's other Pharisees, said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Well, you can bet the higher-ups higher were going to put the kibosh on any of the Pharisees that showed sympathies to Christ. Search and see if any prophets come from Galilee. Yeah, well, how about Nahum? I mean, you know, Elijah. I mean, there were prophets. They, they didn't, couldn't even get their own scripture right. But they had the power. Verse 11. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Barabbas, the name means son of the father. I'm not very creative. I could have. <laughs> most men are. I'm not all, all of them. 
Matter of fact, but of course, the definite article changes everything. He is not son of the Father who is in heaven. Uh, the true son. Uh, but truth is not moving this mob. Lies. Because they have an agenda, and it is murder. They want to censor, to silence the voice of Christ, the life of Christ, just like any other time. You know, you, you look at, uh, I mentioned India where just this week, a, a 16-year-old. Uh, they, they, they threw acid on him to, to kill him, and then 45 days later, he dies. Why? Well, because he was preaching Jesus. Well, what is Jesus teaching you to do? Go steal hubcaps? I mean, what is so bad about what Jesus says that it merits blood? Well, Satan's influence. He has an agenda. He's, he's very serious. We do not take him lightly. Uh, the, the fool would. Uh, angels fear to go where... Uh, fools dare to tread. Verse 12, Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call king of the Jews? Now there is standing Jesus Christ listening to all this, watching what's taking place. He's waiting to be brutalized further and finally to be killed. There he stands. This is what the writer to Hebrews says about Christ holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And there he was, just like that. Uh, verse 13, I mean, we know these things, we who believe, but we must hear them again and again. Give the chance, the, the way I think biblical preaching ideally works is the pastor gets before the Lord, the Lord downloads into him <laughs> what he wants, he gets into the the pulpit, he uploads it to the congregation. Then it's the Holy Spirit of God that takes it from there if the people let him. And it is not the pastor. It is, it is you and God. And you sit through a sermon and God says things to you. He may say things like, you have a wonderful pastor. <laughs> I mean, because it's, it's got to somehow get back to me. Uh, verse 13. So they cried out again, crucify him. The jeering mob demanding the sinless to suffer. Again, this was not going to be a light execution over in a few minutes. James writes this, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. That's part of our message. To go to your grave without sin dealt with brings forth eternal death. How many reject Jesus Christ without even knowing what they're rejecting? I can't stand Christians. Why? <laughs> and then they'll say some goofy thing, and which leaves us usually to be able to say, where'd you get that from? That's not what the Bible teaches. You're following somebody using Christ's name. That's called, you know, fraud. If he's using the Lord's name. and do, just, just this week, just this week, I, I, I read that there's a, I'm not going to say the pastor's name. I might, but I don't know. So he says to his congregation, I need a jet so I don't have to get vaccinated. And I, and I want you to pay. Well, where are you going with this jet? Well, I've got many vacation properties that I'm not taking anybody in the congregation to with me. This is insanity. I, I typically don't want to hear people badmouth some pastor because, you know, they get things wrong and it's a, it's a tough, tough assignment. And so, you know, you have to dismiss a lot of this stuff. But heresy is another thing. But having people come to church 
to grab them by their ankles and shake them upside down so the coins fall out and you can lick them up off the floor and go buy yourself something is, to me, disgusting. Am I the only one? Is, am I, do I sound self-righteous? No. Or just right? You can be right without being self-righteous. It's called a righteous indignation. And I think that it is vile. And this particular person, he's loaded. Coping with the Copelands. Man, who does that? What, what, what people are that dumb to come back for more? Well, you got money from us last month. Let's see how much you can get from us today. Gosh, Satan is real. And what do you, have you ever met any of these people? The, 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 the money that they live for. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I've wanted to gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. And that's what's going on here. Verse 14, and Pilate said to them, why? Why crucify him? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. Here's a pagan judge, more sensitive to justice than those entrusted with the word of God. So when someone says, yeah, well, religious people are a problem, or some Christians are, yeah, the Bible never hides that. It comes out and says, yeah, that's exactly what goes on. But that doesn't mean every one of them are this way. You couldn't put Christ in the category with any of these people. The cry became a rhythmic chant. Crucify him. It made no sense then and makes no sense now. If they did this to the innocent, what will they do to other innocent people? Christ says this on the way to the cross. If they do these things in the greenwood, what will be done in the dry? If they do this to the innocent Messiah, what are they going to do to you who's not innocent, who cannot do the miracles that he can do? They're going to persecute you too. Verse 15, so Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them and delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Yeah, appeasement makes matters worse. Well, I'll satisfy the crowd. Pilate was a crowd pleaser. He caved to their agenda. And we know what that looks like when politicians cave to an agenda, usually of a minority, even a small number. I mean it in that way, not ethnically. Uh, that too sometimes doesn't matter. Caving into wrong is wrong. And uh, this, these gangster slick religious leaders had boxed him in and he knew it. Because if he didn't now, at this point, uh, pronounce the judgment, Pilate is thinking then Rome is going to say, how did you let a treasonous person go free? And he could have stood up, I found him innocent. He could have said that to Rome, but he does not. He's playing the politician. And his efforts to have a clean court have gone out the window. Um, he says it released Barabbas to them. The guilty goes, goes free and the innocent one is slain in his place. The guilty people who committed these injustices don't care about Christ dying until they die. Then it's too, too late. This is the doctrine of substitution. You know, I don't like to use those words, atonement and the substitution, propitiation, because I think they get lost with us. I'd rather just, you know, you know, here's one of the ones I really don't like to use, eschatological. Why can't I just say end times? It's easier to spell. And it's just, why? Why don't you... Let me show you what I've been reading. Uh, 
Let's just get to the point with these things. But this is the doctrine, the teaching of substitution. Punishment on Jesus instead of sinners. Because it happened to Christ, it need not happen to me. That's what this teaching is. Christ died for my sins. I need not die for my sins if I accept his substitution. It is atonement. It satisfies the righteous requirement of a holy God that payment has to be made. And Barabbas, that cross had his name on it and Christ put his name over the name of Barabbas. Christ died in the place of Barabbas as Barabbas. And that's what he does for sinners. Whether the sinner accepts it or not is another thing. So you have three of them, three outlaws. One of them will reject Christ full out and not back down. We know he goes to hell for that. The other one uh, asks the Lord to enter into paradise. That outlaw on the cross goes to heaven. Barabbas dies with a Christian mark over his head. We don't know if he ever looked back and said to himself, you know, Christ died in my place, the innocent for the guilty, or if he just was, you know, that kind of person where he's just so into himself he could care less. We don't know. But it is provocative thought when we hurl it before an unbeliever. See, let me tell you about three people. Two of them died on the cross. One didn't. Someone died in his place. These are sermons for unbelievers by believers and not just for pastors. And he delivered Jesus. Contrary to his verdict, I find no fault in the man. He is innocent. Take him outside, beat him severely, and then nail him to a tree. It says, and after he scourged him, flogged, whipped, lashed. Luke says this, Christ talking about what's coming. They will scourge him and kill him. Christ is speaking of himself. And the third day he will rise again. So he knew this was coming, of course. But when they scourged him, they had to be careful not to over-scourge him. There were degrees of scourgings. Now, all the commentators that I've ever read, they just sort of sensationalize this, I think, to the point where it's, you know, it's now not becoming practical. Because if they beat Christ too much, he wouldn't be able to walk or stand. Unless he did a miracle. And that would be kind of absurd to inject a miracle. Uh, so I'm not going to sensationalize his suffering. Is suffering enough? Hollywood is not my study Bible. Uh, I look at just, this, I try to be as realistic as I can as a, as a Christian. Uh, in fact, others have suffered worse on a cross Christ died early on the cross. So much so, and we'll get that in verse 44, Pilate was shocked. He's dead already? They usually linger. I mean, you know, unless we kill them, they're going to linger for a day or two. Uh, so it's not the physical punishment that wins our hearts. It's the darkness he endured in the spiritual realm, the wrath of God. For someone like Jesus Christ to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is an indication something terribly wrong has taken place that produced something amazingly correct. And so his enduring the wrath of God was far more horrific than any Hollywood director could illustrate. You, you could, it's unrecorded how he suffered. You, you can't catalog it. You can't write it down and say, let me tell you how he suffered. You just can get us in the ballpark. 
but it's the spiritual. That's where the dregs of spiritual darkness resided, and he drank it all. And when we preach Christ, we preach the Spirit. Uh, we'll close with this verse. Oh, we have communion this morning. First Timothy, Paul, looking back on these things, writing to a pastor, knowing that the pastor's got a congregation that is, all pastors have a congregation that is it's difficult to keep between the lines uh, just because we're all sinners. And the, it's hard for the pastor to keep himself between the lines. Uh, we don't uh, automatically flow into righteousness, none of us. It is, takes hard work. And so he's writing to, to this pastor and he says, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus. And he, he just has this flash, Paul does, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. There was, here's, he's, he's writing 30 years later at least, and, and he's, he's just still moved by Christ before Pilate. He doesn't back down our Lord, and we're not to back down. And then he says that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. Um, just a beautiful use of, of the scripture, of the facts, and in building and edifying the church. Let, let's pray. Our Father, this morning, as we have been considering the story, the true story of your Son, Jesus Christ, being the victim of injustice, especially by those who are, were entrusted with your Holy Word. And as we watch this, knowing that it is very much applicable today, we cannot help but ask the unbeliever, are you still ready to reject the Christ? Or are you ready to receive him? If after hearing the words from the scripture, is your heart moved with an awareness of your own sin, your own natural depravity, because if it is, Christ calls you to come to him. He says, I've died in your place. I've taken your punishment on you. So that you could be in heaven with me for all eternity. If you've been listening or watching, if you're here in the church or watching online, and you'd like to open your heart to Christ to receive him as your Lord and Savior, then you have to invite him. He's not going to force himself on you. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone will open, I will come in. And I will dine with them. If you say this prayer with me in earnest, Christ will receive you. This is how Christians become Christians. By making this confession of faith. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I've broken your commandments. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to be not only the one that saves my soul from a judgment that I deserve, but also the one that rules over my life so I shall know how to live and please you and serve you. And I give my life to you right here, right now. Now, Father, if anyone has made this prayer, may they not be ashamed to make it known. If they're here in the church, may they come up when invited to pray with the pastors. And if they're watching online, may they call into the church and ask to speak with the pastor. These things we commit into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen.